that music great. It, that music kind of remind me of the BC years. <laughs> I know you shouldn't say that at church, but uh, the BC years we used to sort of kind of dance to that stuff, you know. <laughs> it was a good, good old beat going on. I like it. Are we good? Excellent. Excellent. Great to be here today. Um, it's great to be able to share with you service this morning. And um, so anyway, today we are going to share with you the adventures of evangelism. <laughs> oh, I, I, never, I never quite got that response from the first lot, so there you go. But anyway, adventures of evangelism. And so what I'm going to do today is when I share with you, I'm sharing a lot from my perspective. Um, the world in which I live in, uh, revolves around tradies, tradespeople. I'm a builder by trade, and uh, it revolves around fire brigade. It revolves around meme shed, and uh, that is my world. And um, it revolves around the local pub, and it revolves around community. And uh, but one thing I've learned is that um, evangelism is something that often we we really struggle with in the church. And uh, I had a friend of mine say to me recently, he said, one of the troubles with evangelism, and especially, you know, um, with because uh, I was actually brought up in a very evangelical church up in Whangarei, um, and I'll just share, share a few stories about that in a minute. But sometimes um, what, what I've experienced, and I certainly found this in my case when I was young, is as, the evan as ev evangelists, or evangelical churches, we raise the bar so high and then we see who can get over it. And so what I mean by that is sometimes the bar is set so high that the majority of Christians go, I can't do that. You know, we, 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 kind, of, we kind of raise this bar up that, you know, and, and we almost make evangelism really difficult to do because it's very confrontational, it's kind of out there, it's, and, and, and it's kind of in your face, kind of a... A world, and, and, and that's perfectly good and it's perfectly right. And so the three things I want to share with you today um, is uh, these three areas. It's uh, fellowship evangelism, friendship evangelism, and then rocket ship evangelism. And uh, all those three have, are relevant and none are as important than the other. They're all the same. And so often we, we, we kind of think maybe the rocket ship is more elevated than the fellowship or the friendship is more elevated, you know, and they're not, they're all the same. And um, I, I just enjoyed talking to one of the guys um, as they were walking out today from here, and he said, you know, he's, he's just enjoying connecting and being a part of, of men's lives and, and inviting them and bringing them one step closer to knowing the Jesus he knows. And, um, and so today, today I hope to share with you and, and kind of take the foot off the accelerator a wee bit because so often we, we really, uh, my experience is the church really struggles with uh, out there, in your face, evangelist style. And, um, and so what we're going to do is we're going to share this with you today. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've called us to go into all the world, to all people everywhere, and tell them that you love and you care for them. We thank you, Father, that you are with us that you are care for us and you have a job for each of us to do 
in the society and the community in which we live. There are people we can care for, people we can share life with. And so I pray today as I share this message, it'll be helpful, encouraging, life-giving to all those who hear. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, Mark chapter 1, verses um, 16 and 17. This is Jesus talking um, to some fishermen. And, he, and this is Jesus himself. And he walked by the sea of Galilee. He saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Fishermen. And their life was never the same again after that. I was in the Methvin pub last week. Saturday, I think. Yeah, it was on Saturday, and um, we'd finished doing quite a big job, and I went with my two son-in-laws and my grandson, and we went to the Methvin pub, and, uh, and we played some pool, and we just hung out there, and it was great. But um, it just took me back quite a number of years earlier when Joanne and I were pastors in Methvin, and we'd pastored there for about six years, five or six years. And, um, and anyway, in, in the... In the busyness of life and doing work and family, I just felt a little bit of a prompting um, from the Lord that I was to go into the pub. Now, the pub wasn't my world. I, I had not been involved with pubs. I had not been in pubs. I'd never, that was never my life. Um, and, but anyway, I just felt that I needed to go into the pub. Well, for about five weeks, five or six weeks, I can't remember how long, I would walk up and down past the pub. And I was too nervous to go in to walk into the pub uh, because I, I felt it wasn't my environment, but I just felt that the Lord was saying, look, you need to go in. And so I had a plan. And my plan was to, I scoped the place out before I went. For six weeks, I was scoping it out. And so I had a plan that I was going to sneak in the back door. I was going to sneak around and I was going to go sit in a corner so no one would see me. And so anyway, off I go this, morning, this evening and I walked into the pub, and I was just sitting there the other day in the same pub and just thinking about what happened. And so I walked into the pub, and in a pub, if you've ever been there, there's this kind of a noise, and it sounds like this. And that's all the deep voices of the guys talking to each other. And, uh, and a few ladies. There as well. <laughs> no, not really. But anyway... I, I, I walk in there and I open the door and, and what happened next, I didn't expect it. <coughs> and I stood at the door and the whole place just stopped. Every, everybody went silent and they all looked at the door as I was walking in. Well, I was like a possum in headlights. My eyes were like this. I was thinking, oh my goodness, I didn't want to have this happen at all. And so I walk in and I stand there, and it was like the old movies where the cowboy walks through the doors, you know, and he's got his guns ready to go, and the whole place shuts down. Now, that was, that was bad enough. But what made it worse is that there was a lady sitting behind a wall who couldn't see what was going on. She looked around the corner twice just to see what was going on. Why did the pub stop talking? You know, the Bible says it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And I, I, I had no concept, I had no understanding of this, but I just think there was an encounter that day 
when someone who has the Spirit of God in them walks into a situation and, 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 and all of a sudden there is a, a realisation that, that, that the Spirit of God is present. And there's no other reason I could think of why that place shut down but for that reason. So anyway, I did sneak in. I, I, I found a place. You know, one thing I learned, though, is um, consistency in your Christian journey is really important. And so for <coughs> years, every Thursday night, I went to the Methvin pub. I went to the Brown pub. Anyone know Methvin? The two pubs? There's two pubs. There's the Blue pub, which was all the skiers and all that go to the blue and then there's the brown pub well it's green now but it was brown then we're all the local contractors and that went well I went to the brown pub uh, because that's my world I'm comfortable in that world so I went there and anyway um, I finally over time got to know the guys and I consistently went and um, I I never went in there and stood up on a table and started preaching and talking about Jesus and I just went and I started to connect on a consistent basis, and started a journey with these, these, these people that I began to get to know. And anyway, this one particular evening I went there, and I was standing by a big high table like this, and I was having my drink of whatever I was drinking, lemonade or something, all the other boys were having their beers or whatever they were drinking, and I was standing there, and, uh, and then I went up to get another drink, and a guy came in, and he said to the other boys who were there, who's that? And they said, oh, that's Mike Shackson. Who's he? He said, oh, he's a local minister in town. Well, I can't tell you what he said because I can't repeat that on Christian television. Um, but anyway, just believe me, he didn't, he, he, didn't believe, he didn't believe what was said. He said, nah, he said, the Sally Army come in here, but we've never had a, had a minister. Nah, 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 nah. And so anyway, I came back and I stood there and one of, one of the guys um, said to me, he said, Mike, what do you do? And I said, I'm a minister. And the guy said, I don't believe you. I said, I'm a builder as well. Ah, oh, there you go, you're having me on. Now, this stage, he's getting a little bit ticked off. And so anyway, another guy, uh, we, we sort of had this conversation backwards and forwards. Well, anyway, there was a guy there who, who I knew quite well, and he had been... He was reasonably liquid, you know. He'd been, he'd been drinking for quite a long time and he, he certainly wasn't sober. And so anyway, he came walking past and they said to him, hey, what does Mike do? And he was really quite drunk. And he swayed around like this and he goes, Mike. Mike. Mike, he's a male stripper from Christchurch. <laughs> well, this guy didn't know, didn't, couldn't, couldn't think of who I was. He, he thought I was a preacher and he thought I was a builder and now he thinks I'm a male stripper from Christchurch. And, and one of the other guys said, look, he said, you know, Mike, he said, his, 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 um, he, him and another group of people run the youth group in Hamner Springs. And which we did, we had a youth group of about, sorry, Methvin, sorry. Um, and, and we run a youth group, they had about 50 kids coming to it. And uh, he said, oh, he said, my son goes to that. And he shook me by the hand and he said, oh, nice to meet you. You see, because to be a fisher of men, you've got to be where the fish are. Yeah. 
To be a fisher of men, you've got to be connecting where the community is. Now, I just need to stress this, that this is my world. This may not be your world. You, you may not be comfortable in that world, but every one of you is, is in a world. Every one of you is connecting with people and you're involved with people. And this is my world and I'm very, very comfortable in it. But one of the things that uh, I want to share with you is I just want to share just some interesting times of my life. And I want to share with you, 1973 was my first encounter with evangelism. This was my very, very first encounter. I came to Christ on a Sunday night in Whangarei Baptist Church. And uh, I came to, came to the Lord, and it was quite a, an experience for me. And anyway, um, during the course of that week, I don't know how I got to find out, but they said on Friday night we're doing a street outreach. Um, would you like to come? And I said, yeah, I'll come. And so we went to a place called Regent, which was up, up north of Whangarei, and there was a picture theatre there. And they had a movie playing, which was called The Exorcist. And a fairly freaky movie, and um, pretty scary. And anyway, the person who was leading it gave me a whole lot of Christian information, and they said, when people come out, just give them these. Well, as the movie was going, you could hear people screaming in the picture theatre. And uh, you could hear them screaming out and yelling and frightened. But when they came out, I handed them a tray. Everybody took one. And I thought, this evangelism thing's a piece of cake. It's really easy. Everybody wants to know about Jesus. I found out later that wasn't the case. It wasn't true. And so that was my very, very first encounter with evangelism. My second encounter was leading someone to Christ, my first person that I led to Christ. And this happened in, in a place called Tikipunga. We were in a prayer meeting, and we were praying in this prayer meeting for, for um, different people that we knew who didn't know who Jesus was. Anyway, um, I, I, by the way, I didn't even know you could pray for people. I mean, I'm real greenhorn here. Like, I, I had no idea that you could actually pray for people um, and God would do something. I'm just a new Christian, you know. I've got no concept of this stuff. And so anyway, we are praying, and, uh, and one of the guys is praying for a work colleague, and he's praying for him that he would come to know the Lord. And I thought, that's good, you know. And so I finished the prayer meeting. I hop in my car. I'm driving home. And it's a wet night in Whangarei. Whangarei rains quite a lot. And so I was driving home, and uh, I was driving along, and there was a guy walking along the road. He looked pretty pedraggled, pretty wet. And I thought, oh, you sucker. I said, you should have got an umbrella. You know, I sort of didn't have any grace or mercy for him at all. Uh, I just wanted to get home, go to sleep, because I had to be work in the morning. And so anyway, I drove straight past him. But as I drove past, I, I kind of never knew the voice of the Holy Spirit, really. But I just felt I should stop and pick him up and tell him about Jesus. And of course, I'm, a, I, I'm obedient, I'm a fully committed, God-fearing Christian, so I just drove straight past him. And I pulled up at the lights, and, uh, and I'm sitting there waiting for the lights to change, and I thought he was a long way back. Next minute, the door opens, and he gets in. And so I'm looking at him, he's looking at me, and it's all a bit of a shock. And so that still small voice says, tell, tell him about, about me. Well, I hadn't been to any evangelism school. I didn't know the right words to say. And, uh, and so I looked across. I put my car in first gear. By the time I got across the, across the um, intersection, I was full noise about Jesus. I didn't know how to witness or tell anyone about it. But I, I, and I just said, do you know Jesus? 
And I think he wanted to get out of the car about then. <laughs> and he said, do you know Jesus? And he goes, no. And so I told him about how God could help him with his life and how he's helped me and what he's done. And we were driving past where I had to turn off to go home and I was ready to put him out the door and I was going to leave him there. But anyway, I just felt, oh, I need to take him home. Now, his home was 40 minutes out of Whangarei. Do you know what? Sometimes you find that, um, that sharing your life and caring for people, actually, you've got to go out of your way. Oh, that sink in a bit. you actually got to go out of your way a bit. And uh, so anyway, I'm thinking, oh, man, I've got to be at work in the morning and it's not, it's not very convenient. So anyway, and, and isn't it interesting sometimes when in these situations that everything's not perfect? And I had very little petrol in my car. And I thought, I'm not going to get them all out there. I'm not going to get home. And so I'm driving out towards Ruakaka, which is about 40 minutes away. And I'm thinking, I'm not going to make it. So I pull the car over and I said, look, mate, I said, do you want to give your life to Christ or not? Because I said, I'm not going to Ruakaka. I said, you've got to do it either now. And he said, yes, I do. So we prayed a prayer. First person I ever led to Christ was him. Anyway, the next, I took him home. I, I didn't go to Ruakaka. I took him home and he stayed in my room. I was single at the time. He stayed in my room. And anyway, the next day we were having breakfast and I said, oh, you know, where do you work? And he said, I work in this nursery. And I said, oh. I said, do you know a guy called Grant? He said, yeah. He said, he's my workmate. I said, Really? Wow. I said, we were praying for you last night. And Grant was praying for this young guy. And I picked him up, led him to Christ, all within about four hours. Come on, that's, that's something to celebrate. And, and that, was, that was my first encounter with evangelism. And um, you know what? I, I went to find him. I, he gave me his address. I, I never found him again. I don't even know what happened to his life, but we led him to Christ that night. And, and that, that, is the, that is the simplicity of, of just reaching people and reaching out to people for the Lord. I had no idea what I was doing. No idea whatsoever. But I just told him my story. And so I just want to go through these three things, three topics, if you like, um, about evangelism and how... Um, there's many other, you, you could probably have another myriad of other things you could say about how you do evangelism, but these are the three that I've simplified on how evangelism is for us. The first one is fellowship. And so we've got fellowship, friendship, and rocket ship. Okay? So the fellowship is, is what happens in a local church. Never ever um, discount the, the care and the ministry that you have in your community as a local church. God has put you strategically in this area to really help people um, through their life, but also to uh, help them have an encounter with Jesus who encountered my life. And so how do we, how do we actually how do we, uh, have evangelism in the local church? Okay, so there's a church service. I don't want to tell you a quick story about this. Um, a friend of mine's got a church down south. And it's, it's in a reasonably tough area. And he went to his elders the other day and he said, you know what? He said, we need to be getting a lot more children into Sunday school. And he said, I've got all these solo mums around us. He said, wouldn't it be great if they could have a couple of three hours off 
on a Sunday morning and we have the kids at Sunday school. Well, his elders growled at him. And they said, oh, we're not a babysitting service. We're not da-da-da-da. Well, that lit him up. And he said, are you guys for real? He said, don't you realise that if you can get the word of God and the principles of God into a child, he said, how many of those children come to life in in years because they've been to Sunday school, they remember. And so anyway, what they do in their church is they have a, have a um, Sunday school and they invite the, invite the children of um, solo mums to come to Sunday school and they look after the children and give them a good time. And then, um, and then what they do is after a few months, they'll have a concert or something and then all the mums and the cousins and the aunties and uncles come and they all come to the church service and a whole heap of them come to the Lord because he's an evangelist. And what he said is he said, in his world, he said, he said, you care for people, you love people, because most of the people are, are a bit concerned about talking about Jesus. And so he said, you love people, you care for them, bring them to church. And they said, I'm an evangelist and we'll get them saved. And that's exactly what's happening. It's, it's every week that people come into Christ in the church that I'm talking about. And um, so you've got church service, you've got Sunday school, you've got children's programs, you've got youth groups, youth camps, you've got home groups, you've got interest groups. I've got a friend of mine pastoring a church up in Mangawai, or Mangafai, and uh, he's got a group called Snapper Rock Fellowship. And what it is is a whole heap of fishermen. All the guys that are interested in fishing in the church all get together, and they have a group, and they meet together regularly, and they, and they have... Um, they plan fishing trips and they, they have a meal and then they invite people that are interested in fishing who don't necessarily know who Jesus is and they invite them to come to, and, and get involved in their fishing group. And then over time, they build relationships and they build friendships and then over time, um, they are able to share their faith and their love um, with people who they've got to know and got to respect. You know, um, so part of the journey of evangelism is actually journeying with people taking the time to actually be with them, to walk with them. You know, i got a friend of mine, um, and uh, he talks about Jesus way more than I do. And he's Jesus Christ this and Jesus Christ that, and, and every second word is Jesus. And, uh, and you know, I was sitting with a group of people one day, and, and this guy was there, and he walked away. Now, I just want to tell you that this particular person said to me when I first met him, he said, Oh, don't tell me about your God stuff. We don't care less about that. We don't want to know. He was straight up. And, um, and so, but anyway, um, Joanne and I have journeyed with them and cared for them and they've had some crises. And the whole time, you know, we've just journeyed with them. And anyway, I was with a group of people recently and, and he went for a bit of a wander and, and, and I said to all these people, I said, oh, is this guy, is he a Christian? And they said, no, no, definitely not. No, 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 no. I said, he must be. And they said, nah, nah. I said, well, I said, he talks about Jesus more than I do and I'm a preacher. (laughs) But what I'm trying to say is we've journeyed with him and and as we've journeyed with this family, um, you know, they've gone through some crises and they've gone through some difficulties and they've gone through some challenges. But, you know, now I openly talk about who Jesus is because I've taken the time to journey with people. And, and that's part of the fellowship. It's part of the church community it's, uh, uh, that we outreach in. Um, they, this church up north have got a four-wheel drive called Over the Top, 4 Before Group. 
and so it's all four-wheel driving. Um, by the way, this is from my world perspective too. I just like this world. And so they've got a four-before group, and so all the guys in the church have got four-befores. Um, they all meet together, and they plan trips, and then they invite some of their other mates who are not believers into that group, and then they plan trips. They go on trips together, and on the trip they get to talk about their faith, get to talk about God. And, and more, than, more than often, they actually don't have to bring it up. They actually ask the question. And so there's that whole area of reaching out. There's um, another group they've got, a computer group called, um, it's called Computer Salvation Group. And they just get old computers and they do them up and tidy them up and then they, they give them out to schools and to people that are, are less well off and then they look after the people. that. Well, it doesn't take long before people go, well, why do you do this? And they say, WWJD. I think that's what Jesus would do. Or what would Jesus do? And so people are starting to connect with God's people because they are real, they're down to earth. I heard what you said this morning. You know, they, they, are, they, are, um, they are connected, they're ground, they're, their feet are on the ground, and they're people that people, after a while, feel safe to talk with and share and to, to live with. And um, we're going to get to rocket ship in a wee while. Okay, so, so that, that's an area that we can look at, um, interest groups, um, there are missions. Uh, there, are, there is a church that we know down in Invercargill, uh, down at Bluff, actually, they do mainly music. And that's been an amazing outreach into the life of their community. And, uh, and people are coming to the Lord through that. And, um, and of course, there's just the, the general running of, the, uh, of a church and, and the ministry that comes out of it. And we've got men's groups, you've got ladies' groups, uh, you've got a ladies' ministry thing coming up fairly soon. And, and that's great. You know, the things we do for each other, but there's the, the, the evangelical outreach from a local church. Um, never underestimate the power that it has. Okay, the next one is friendship. Um, this is with your family, your friends in the workplace and clubs, community, uh, services, like I'm in the fire brigade and St. John's. Um, and then you've got places like Meals on Wheels. Um, and friendship evangelism normally involves a longer-term relationship. Friendship evangelism means that you actually commit to journey with somebody. Um, and um, I, I remember this happening to me in Tianao. Um, this is a long time ago now, but anyone ever, ever, anyone ever been to the Luxmore Hotel in Tianao? Well, I, I was involved with helping build that. And um, I just had a guy who I was pastoring at the time, and I had a guy come to our church called Martin Kelderman, and he talked about faith at work. And the challenge was that if they, if they can't see it, if they can't see your faith in action, is it real? If they can't see your faith in what you do and what you say and how you live and how you conduct yourself, is your Christian faith real? Well, I heard what he said, and I got invited to go to Luxmore to do some building, and um, it was a bit of a culture shock because I went from being just two of us to a, a, um, a building crew of about 90 plumbers and sparkies and painters. They were all there. So we wandered into this place, and I thought, I'm not going to talk about Jesus. I'm not going to talk about God. I'm not going to talk about nothing about the church. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut, and I'm going to see what happens. And so anyway, the third day, um, I came down to have our smoko or morning tea, and um, I walked down, and I was a bit late, and I was standing there kind of almost on my own. 
And in those building places, in those big outfits where there's lots of bills, there's always a loudmouth, eh? There's always somebody that's going to go, there. And so I'm standing there, and this guy stands up, and amongst all these guys and other ladies and contractors, and he yells across, he was probably about where you are over there. He was that far away for the gentleman in the corner. And he said to me, he said, Mike, he said, are you religious? Well, again, possum and headlights type thing. I said, why do you ask? And he said, oh, there's something about you. And, of course, we've got 90 tradies all looking at me and waiting to hear what the next answer is going to be. And I'm praying real hard out, you know. Oh, my goodness. And because this is my world, this is my, this is my um, uh, what do you call, this is my community. These are people that I, li- that I connect with. And this is my friendship group. This is who I'm involved with. And just so happened that 90 of them were looking at me at this particular time. And so, um, and so I said, well, I suppose if being a minister for 12 years makes me religious in your eyes, then maybe I am. And you could just hear a pin drop, eh? And he looked back at me, and as serious as a judge, he said, Mike, he said, from now on, we're all going to call you Rev. <laughs> and so I'd be walking down the aisle, like walking down the worksite, hey, Rev, hey, Rev, hey, Rev. I haven't even got a reverend name in front of me. I haven't even got letters to call, call myself a reverend. I never went to no fancy place to get one. And you'd be walking along, eh, and, and one of the guys would come up and say, hey, Rev, can I have a chat? I said, what's up, mate? Oh, he said, me and the missus aren't getting on too good, eh? Fighting all the time. I said, oh, well, I said, you come and meet me at Smoker and we'll have a chat, eh? So he meet me at Smoker, we'd talk about, about things. I said, you know, God's your answer, mate. Jesus is your answer. He can fix us. Or someone go, hey, Rev. I said, what, mate? He said, oh, he said, Having trouble with the booze, you know, I drink too much. I go, oh, yeah. I said, oh, well, I won't meet you at the pub then, will I? <laughs> so we have a chat and we have a talk. And for nine months, I spent nine months talking to people about God in the workplace. And that's because of friendship evangelism. I, I, I made an effort to be approachable, to be... Um, what's the right, consistently, and I'm going to say this consistently, godly. You know, sometimes I think with, with and, and, and of course, I, I'm an evangelist. That, I'm, I'm happy in the evangelist world. But, but sometimes we evangelists, and, and I, Joanne said I've actually preached messages on, on evangelism, and, and it's almost like I raise the bar so high that nobody can get over it. You know, you kind of raise this bar and, you get people come through and they, they tell you all these stories and you go, oh man, I can't do that. So what I've learned to do is actually just put the bar on the ground and have no expectation of anybody. Take people just the way you find them. Just take people where they're at. You know, with all their problems and difficulties and sorrows and heartaches and attitudes, just take them where they are and journey your life with the folks. And I've found it to be so good um, over the years. And um, 
you know, just being in town at that time, the, the amount of opportunities that were there to tell people about Jesus. You know, I don't know if I actually ever saw anyone come to Christ that whole time, but I'll tell you what, I sowed a lot of seed. See, some, some people some people sow, other people water. Yeah, I, I don't know what was going to become of those guys and those people, but over that time I made it a point of actually engaging, caring, loving, supporting. Okay, so that's the friendship, and there's a few more things I can add, but let's, because of time, I'm just about out. There's the rocket ship evangelism. And I just want to tell you a story about, um, you know, a situation that happened to me in New Guinea, because so, sometimes in life you're encountered with things that, that are way, 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 way above your head, but God is with you. And, um, and the rocket ship evangelism, I mean, is kind of out there, confronting it's kind of and that's what that's what rocket ship evangelism looks like it's a lot more often forceful it's a lot more passionate it can be really quite um, um, in your face if you like and uh, and of course my early Christian life was like that I, I I ministered on the streets of Whangarei from saved on Sunday outreach on Friday and then for years um, was on the streets of Whangarei ministering at night and getting on ships and doing all sorts of crazy stuff. Um, so this was normal for me. But I've discovered that for so many Christian people, um, evangelism is almost like, whoa, it's just too much to comprehend. Evangelism is not that hard. It's doing what you do with people that are like you and actually connecting with the people and journeying and committing your life to people. There are other times, and I'm going to tell you about the story that happened. Um, I was over in PNG. I was um, driving home from a camp. The truck was full of um, a whole lot of young guys who had been in the camp. We were driving a diner truck, and we were driving down this road, and there was a little lady and a child standing on the side of the road. And she waved us down. She said, can you come and help? And I said to her, what's the problem? And she said, our lady close to die finish. And that's Papu, and this lady's dying. And I said, well, not a lot I can do. She said, you must come. And um, now I'm only sort of like 23 years old. Um, the only dead thing I'd ever seen was a dead sheep on the farm. I'd never seen anything. I'd never seen a dead person or anyone in any trauma in my whole life. And so we drive down this road. We get to this area. We jump out. All the young guys and girls, they all jump out of the truck and we walk down this long track, we get to this village, and there's a lady lying on the ground, and she was bellowing like, like this horrible guttural growl. It was just horrendous. And, and I look at her, and I go, oh, you're going to die. Here's a missionary full of faith, full of God, full of purpose, going, well, you're dead, you're, you're gone. And um, I thought, yeah, you know. You know, so, so much of evangelism stretches you a bit, you know. Sometimes you're out of your comfort zone every now and then. And I'm looking at this lady and I'm thinking, well, I can't do anything for her. And so I said to all the people who are from her village, I said, I can do nothing for her. She's going to die. And they all looked at me and I said, but I know of one person who can help her. His name is Jesus. Can, I, can we pray for her? And so they all go, Yes, you can pray. And so I, so I kneel down. I say to all my friends, Christians, I said, let's all pray. Now over there, when they say let's all pray, they say let's all bung one time. That's what prayer means. So, so anyway, they started bunging and praying and calling out to God and crying out. and It was a, it was a racket. 
And so I kneel down beside this lady. I'm looking at her face, and her face is all contorted, and, and her neck's twisted, and she's got something sticking out here. And, and, um, and I'm looking at this lady, and I don't know what to do. But as I'm looking, I'm saying to myself, I say, I say a prayer. I say, God, I said this lady cannot die because I don't want to do mouth-to-mouth resuscitation on that mouth. She had a beetle nut and no teeth, and it was an ugly, ugly sight. And so I'm kneeling down looking at this woman, and I'm thinking, oh, boy, I'm really way out of my depth. And anyway, so, so I said, well, let's pray. And so they were praying, and so I said, Heavenly Father, could you please heal this lady? Well, she got worse. That's not faith praying, is it? Like you should pray and she should get better. Well, I prayed and she started bellowing more. She started writhing on the ground more. And it was, uh, I thought, well, this is not working. And I said, well, what do I do now, Lord? And he said, oh, he said, you just need to pray against the spirit of death. Well, I didn't even know what a spirit of death was. I had no concept of spiritual warfare whatsoever. You know, I say I'm a Baptist born and Baptist bred. And when I die, I'll be Baptist dead. I mean, I, I had no concept of those things. I wasn't a Pentecostal. And so anyway, we, we, um, I said, okay. So I said, in the name of Jesus, spirit of death, leave this lady alone. It wasn't sort of a high-powered, really kind of Pentecostal prayer. It was sort of like a simple Baptist one, really. And so anyway, we, 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 and, 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 and straight away, this lady went sound asleep. She was snoring. Her neck went oh, straightened out. And, uh, and I'm thinking, oh, this is good. Don't have to do mouth-to-mouth anymore. Praise God for that. And uh, anyway, we get her up, we put her in a truck, and we take her to the hospital. The next day, we, we go and we, we go visit her. And so here she comes walking down the corridor, dead straight, perfect breathing, nothing wrong with her, totally 100%. Still had the big marks around her neck where she put a rope and jumped out of a tree and broke her neck. And she had a broken neck. That was, that's why her neck was all, and that's why the bone was sitting out here. And this is, this is rocket ship evangelism. This is kind of on the edge stuff. This is kind of out there. And, uh, and so anyway, um, I, I only found out that she was a number two wife and, uh, of, of, a, of a, um, a man there and they had an argument. So the biggest insult she could put straight to her husband was to hang herself. But in the meantime, she had broken her neck in so doing. And so we prayed for her. She was completely restored. And, uh, and you know what, I never got to go back to that village for other circumstances came about. And I never gave, came to go back, but uh, a Solomon Island missionary, he went back, his name was Samuel Qualagau, and he went back to that village and they opened the doors with open arms, he preached the gospel and many got saved. I never actually got to go back because uh, you know, things happened in my life at that stage. But the Bible says in Galatians 6 verse 9, and let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap a harvest. And so church, there, there are those, all, all these areas of valid evangelistic outreaches. You know, when, when you have a service here, you know, and you invite a, a, a preacher to come, you know, the, the, often the centre is on the preacher, but you've got your sound people, you've got your people making the coffees, you've got... All these people doing things which is just as valid than the person standing here. Because without other people doing what they do, it doesn't happen. 
And so I really want to encourage you, you know, um, where there, you know, so there is the uh, um, fellowship evangelism where you do things collectively, you minister collectively through all the different outreaches that you do. Um, there is the friendship evangelism where you, you build relationships, you connect with people, you journey with people. That is valid evangelism. And, um, and I just want to drop this in just to, just to clarify it. I've heard it said years ago um, by, by someone, they said, um, preach the gospel and if you have to, use words. Now, I get it. I really understand it. But I think we've made an excuse just to be nice. You know, and, and, but what I have found is as I've journeyed with people, as they've got to know me, as I've got to commit my life to them, then over time they ask me the question about who Jesus is and what, what, is, what, what, my, what makes me tick. And I say, well, Jesus, he's the one. Okay, for many, the word evangelism is frightening. Why? Because it is confronting but it does not need to be this way. Find people that do what you like to do. Commit your journey with them. Commit to journey with them. And by your good works, the Jesus conversation will come up. It will. Jesus said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. You know, we, we um, have got a story to tell every one of you. And I can't, can't stress it enough that you belong to a world, you connect with the world, you're involved with the world. It's not my world. But you've got people in your world that need to hear your story, that, need to, that need to, you need to commit your life to, to journey with them no matter what. And like my Jesus friend who talked about Jesus all the time, I've had some amazing conversations about God now. And I tell him we're praying for you. And he goes, that's great. Whereas before he would have sworn at me and told me to get lost, but now he says, thank you for praying. And, and it's just, it's, can I say, evangelism is not this hard. We, we've made it such a difficult thing because it's so confronting and, we, and we, we kind of make it so that you have to confront people and be in their face. And there's a place for that and there's a time for that. And it's valid and it's good to, be, to have that kind of evangelism. But in my world, and my everyday living, it's not like that. I had a talk to a guy the other day in the men's shed who was a Christian years ago. And I've been visiting him, talking with him. And he said to me the other day, he hasn't followed Christ he, for years and years. And, he, and I was talking to him and he said, he said, I was in a church service once on the West Coast. And he said, the preacher preached and he said, I stood up and I walked forward and I gave my life to Christ. And he would, he would be the furthest you'd ever think away from being a Christian is. And he said, you know, Mike, he said, it never leaves me. You'll be amazed how many people have God connection. God said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. If you'd like to stand with me for a moment, I'd love to pray for you. Can I say, you have been fishing. I'm not saying that you haven't been. This message is not about me saying to you that you're not doing enough. 
it's not it's not a message to say that I don't want to say that you need to do more or work harder or be more. Just be who you are. But let 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 what you've learned and what God has put into your life come to the fore. I met a lady at church. I'm going to stop with the story. I met a lady at church. He, her and her husband were coming to church in Methven. And they kept coming for quite a long time. And, and I said to this lady, I said, how did you find church today? And she said, it was beep, 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 fantastic. Oh, I loved her to bits. All the superlatives came out. All the superlatives. But she said, it was beep, 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 fantastic. Church, sometimes we need to lower the bar, eh? Let's not raise the bar so high that people can't get over it. Let's lower the bar. That doesn't talk about our own. Our own standard must be high. I'm not talking about lowering our standard. I'm talking about having the bar on the ground so when people come into our company, in our world, we've got no expectation of what we expect them to be. We take them as we find them. We love them as they are. And in so doing, people will love you back. You know, the Word of God says there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. We walk every day according to the Spirit of the Lord. And that's true inwardly, but I believe outwardly there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Inwardly we know we're not condemned, but outwardly we don't condemn people who who are lost. We don't condemn people who don't know who Jesus is. We have no expectation of what we think they should be. But we're in their life, we're connecting. So let's let that love of Christ that is in us, though no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, be active in our lives and to the people we connect with. Amen. I'm going to pray. You're a good father and you're an amazing brother, Jesus. What a journey we've been on. You've done so much in our lives. You've changed us so much. So many of us can say what we used to be. BC, before you, before Christ, but now we can say AD, after we died, after we gave our life to you, the change. Maybe quickly or maybe slowly over time, but the change is there. And I thank you today that in every person standing in this room, there is a story that can be told. Not necessarily will be told, but it can be. And so, Father, I pray that through our message today, that there would be courage and hope found that the story that we have is valid to share with those who we're journeying life with, not only in the life of a church, but also in the community and society in which we live. Father, you see what we cannot, you hear what we don't. But you said that you don't wish anyone would perish, but everyone would come to know eternal life. So the mission of the church is to love and care, but to share the gospel using words. And put those two together, loving people and using words, it can make a huge difference in people's lives. So may you bless your people, may you bless your church, and may the evangelism and the evangelist in each one of us be renewed today. I pray in Jesus' name. And we all said...
Amen. God bless you.